This episode of the Trek Geeks podcast is brought to you by the Trek Geek Shop. Now you can help support our show and get yourself some cool Star Trek gear at the same time. Check out our line of t-shirts, mugs, hats, and other items for your inner Trek geek at shop.trekgeeks.com. Hi, this is Andy Robinson, Elam Garrick on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little podcast this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Failure to tune in would not sit well with the Obsidian Order. We'll show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. Welcome, one and all, to Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. We're happy to have you here. This is episode number 62. And tonight we've got something a little different for you. But before we get into that, I'd like to introduce my co-host, a gentleman who I bring on the show at this point every episode. You know, for most patients his age, I'd administer Retinax 5, but he's allergic to it. He's the visually impaired Dan Davidson. Dan, welcome aboard, and I'm over here, buddy. Over here. Well, you could. Well, you could say thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I think that's the first time you've ever actually referred to me as a gentleman in the introduction. Uh, I use the term extremely loosely. Well, I appreciate it nonetheless. Thanks, man. Good to be here as always. Sixty-two. I know. Craziness. Uh, yes, I think it's incredibly crazy that. I've been able to tolerate you for this long. Sixty-two episodes. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we got a we got a little bit of a different episode tonight, I guess you could say. Yeah, I I think so. It um, I've heard this done on other podcasts before, and uh, obviously it happens on Reddit all the time. The concept of an "ask me anything," and we thought it'd be interesting to turn the tables and let the folks in Camp Kenimer ask us questions. So that's what we're going to do tonight. I like it. Sounds like fun. Get to find some deep, dark secrets of Bill. I don't know that there's many of those. I'm an open book, so I'm not concerned at all. <laughs> you are an open book. <laughs> Unfortunately for you, it's at the kindergarten level. Pop-up book. <laughs> <laughs> run, Dan, run. <laughs> See, Dan, run. <laughs> hashtag run, Dan, run. Yeah, I like that. That's this week's hashtag. Use it. Yes. Yeah, so Dan, first... <laughs> People may need to send you some finger paintings or pictograms or perhaps even, you know, lessons set to music. How might they get those to you, sir? Macaroni sculptures? Yes. <laughs> those would be good, too. Yeah, a whole bunch of ways you can do that. Well, not the macaroni sculpture. But anyway, on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype, uh, our handle is Trek Geeks. You can also send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com, or you can call us at 508-784-1701. Also, leave us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash trekgeeks. Uh, also, as you all know, we have our official Facebook group out there. It's called Camp Kittimer. Lots of great stuff going on there every day. Uh, you get, hey, Bill, you get early access to the episodes of the Trek Geeks podcast before they're even released if you're a member of Camp Kittimer. Really? 
That's pretty cool. Well, I'm going to have to I join. Can- you're going to have to check it out. Yeah. Uh, to join the group, just go to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. Plus, we've got a special something-something brewing for Vegas. So if you want to know a little bit more about that, go sign up at Camp Kittimer, and you'll find out all about it. Sounds great. Dan will let you right in as soon as he's done eating the paste in the craft room. <laughs> wow. Okay. Back to you, Bill. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> We'll move on to some news right after this musical break from Five Year Mission. <laughs> and once again, my friend, it's time for the news from treknews.net. Sorry. Let's just into the Federation News Service. That's good. <laughs> We're Adam Drosen's 11th favorite podcast. We've that, moved up. That drops on Mondays. The only problem is we drop on Tuesdays. So, hey Good stuff. Dan, as usual, we like to talk about the latest stories that we've seen on treknews.net. Our first stop for Star Trek news and information, and we hope it would be everybody else's. First up this week, it appears that uh, Carl Urban, who plays Dr. McCoy in the new Star Trek movies, kind of has some love for the original Star Trek. It's great. He has a lot of love for the original Star Trek and the motion picture also. Uh, Very good article talking about his love of Trek as he was growing up. And a very interesting piece of that article was the fact that he was not contractually obliged to be in this third movie. And it took uh, discussion with Justin Lin. He jumped right on board, and we are happy to see him return as Dr. McCoy. I thought that was great. A couple other things to highlight in this article is he talked about some of his favorite TOS episodes. You'll be very happy to hear, Bill, that one of his favorites is the Corbomite Maneuver. Yes. Very smart man. I I have a lot more respect for him than I do for you. Um, He. Wow. It's true. Um, he also likes a muck time, but I, I got to give him a little bit of, you know, I got to give him a little, you know, little crap. He could not remember the quote episode where Kirk fights the Gorn name. Well, in his own defense, no defense. Well, no, in his own defense, it's not like the title gives anything away about that episode. Oh, that's true. It could have been called the Gorn, and he did know it was a Gorn. He didn't say that's the true. lizard guy. <laughs> in the suit yeah. yeah it was yeah it's a it's a great episode rec, uh, a great article rather recommend everybody goes and checks it out he talks about um the motion picture he talks about uh, a little bit about next generation uh it's nice to see that the people that are doing these movies are fans like us as well it's very it's very nice to hear something like that i agree with you i think that uh it, it's nice to know that that carl wanted to come back after talking to Justin Lin, because that gives me even more hope and anticipation for Star Trek Beyond than I had even before. Because it says to me that, well, uh, let me back up. He wasn't shy about the fact that Into Darkness right. was, you know, not what he had hoped for. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm paraphrasing, certainly, but it wasn't necessarily a a movie in star trek's grandest tradition and even he knew that so the fact that he's come back for it uh means the world to me as a fan and i'm i'm glad he's in it i can't wait to see him in vegas 
Yeah, it'll. It's interesting um, what he said. He he thought that uh, the relationship between McCoy and Kirk was more inferred in Into Darkness, which is interesting. So he's really glad that they're going to be able to build that relationship in this movie. So, uh, yeah, very much looking forward to seeing him in Vegas. I have not seen him yet at a convention, so I think it'll be pretty cool to see him for the first time. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, Dan, up next in news, speaking of Star Trek Beyond cast members, it appears that this week there's going to be a Battle of the Titans. <laughs> two forces of nature will square off in Los Angeles, California, you know, face to face, head to head in, in an epic clash. I speak, of course, of Spike TV's lip sync battle hosted by LL Cool J, of course. <laughs> and Dan, it looks like two big name Beyond stars are going to be in there. Yeah, they're they're starting to send the people out on the marketing press tour, I guess, because uh, Zachary Quinto and Zoe Saldana are going to be duking it out on Lip Sync Battle. Uh, That ought to be interesting. It's funny, when I first saw this article, I kind of read it wrong and thought that they were going to be doing a bad lip reading. You know those videos (laughs) that they have on YouTube? (laughs) Oh, you got to be kidding me. No, I'm not kidding. But this is going to be pretty epic. This should be pretty cool. My wife and I watch Lip Sync Battle fairly regularly, and it's entertaining. I mean, LL Cool J is the perfect host for that show. Mm-hmm. I can't stand Chrissy Teigen. She makes me want to, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, hit my head against the wall. I'm going to be nice. <laughs> but uh, but the show's entertaining. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fun diversion of a half an hour. And, you know, compared to all the other crap that's on television at times, right. it's a nice distraction. So yeah. it, I think it's going to be fun. I have not watched the show very much. I've only seen clips here and there, but to be able to see Zachary like rock it out when we're used to seeing him as Spock, that should be pretty cool. I can't wait to see what they pick because for the the second number that each of them does, there's usually some kind of production value to it, whether it's costumes or choreography or both. Right. Yeah. I can't wait to see what Zach picks. That should be pretty cool. Looking forward to it. And Dan, lastly in news tonight, it appears that our great friends at treknews.net are doing an awesome giveaway. Well, it would only make sense because treknews.net is awesome in itself. So an awesome uh, giveaway would only just go, you know, hand in hand. Yeah. They are giving away not one, but two copies of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan Director's Cut on Blu-ray. Nice. It is awesome. And you don't really have to do much. You don't have to think a lot. So this will be good for you, Bill. All you need to do is add a comment in the story at treknews.net of what your favorite scene of Star Trek II was. There's no wrong answer, man. That's awesome. Uh, for me, though, my comment would probably be about 200 pages long <laughs> because the entire movie is pretty much my favorite scene. Very well put. Can't go wrong with that. we got a winner right here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, all you have to do is go on over to treknews.net, find the story about the Blu-ray giveaway, and uh, and – Leave a comment to get yourself entered in the drawing. I think that's awesome. And uh, uh, Dan, I I hope they pick whoever commented on either side of you. Wow! Wow! Okay. I know, that's right? Great. Yeah. I know. <laughs> that that is funny, right? I'm <laughs> knee slapping, jerk. <laughs>
So, Bill, one of the great things that we have uh, had a good time doing as we've been doing this podcast is reading all the reviews that have been coming in uh, on iTunes about the show, positive or negative. We love hearing them, don't we? We absolutely do. We have to take a moment to thank everybody so far that has contributed a review of the podcast. It's been a huge help. We had our biggest number of downloads in a month ever last month. And that's all directly related to visibility in iTunes. So thank you so much. Uh, for those of you who are new to the podcast or haven't yet left a review, do keep in mind that we are doing a quarterly drawing for a $25 Amazon gift card or the equivalent in your country's Amazon store in U.S. dollars just for writing a review. It's that simple. All you have to do is find Trek Geeks in iTunes, click on Ratings and Reviews, Select a uh, number of stars you want to give us and then click write a review. It's that simple. And actually, we want your honest reviews. So if it's one star, if it's five stars, our goal is to make the podcast better. At the end of this month, we'll enter all of those reviews into a drawing for the $25 gift card. And then someone's going to win. And Dan, it's not going to be you for this either, buddy. I'm sorry. That's all right. I would rather read the reviews than add my own because – there's only so much negativity that you can take, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, for more details, please visit trekgeeks.com slash iTunes. And that way you can find out all about how to enter in your review and get placed into our drawing for the Amazon gift card. That's trekgeeks.com slash iTunes. Dan. Bill. Are you, are you ready to answer some hard, tough questions? Ask me anything. <laughs> well, a few weeks ago, <laughs> we asked the members of our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer, what they would ask us if they could ask us anything. And they had some great responses. They did. They, well, they, we haven't given them any responses yet. <laughs> no. They had I some great that's... responses to our yes. request for we had, questions. We had a list of great things asked of us. What I like about what we're doing tonight is it's not necessarily Star Trek related. It's you and I talking. It's very exciting. Well, and like our podcast, the questions are a mix of Star Trek yeah. and our fandom and our friendship. And it's it's kind of a nice you know spread of questions. I, I think yeah. this is going to be really fun. I like it. Well, that said, uh, I'm gonna, why don't I pose the first question to you? Okay. You can answer first, and then I'll answer after that. It's from Tony Troxel, and his question is, what is your favorite version of the phaser? That is an easy question for me to answer, but at the same time, I've got multiple answers. Why am I not surprised, Senator? Yes. <laughs> the, I, I got to say, the, the original series hand phaser, uh, non-hand phaser is by far my favorite. The regular one, not the little tiny one that come off that comes off the top of the phaser, not that one. The real full-sized phaser that they used in TOS. The type 2 phaser. Exactly. I love that one. It's I love the way it looks. I like the way it sounds. In my opinion, nothing can beat that. I've always loved that one. I never liked the next generation, especially season 1 phasers. Those I did not like at all. The Dustbusters? Yeah, exactly. Uh, if I had to choose a second place version, it would be the phaser rifles that were used in Deep Space Nine during the Dominion War. I always thought those were very cool. Interesting. Yeah. And um, although it's not a phaser, I always found the TR-116 rifle really interesting. That was the one used in the Deep Space Nine episode Field of Fire, which used 
transporter technology to fire a bullet instead of an actual phaser beam. And it oh, could right. beam between walls. That was a brilliant idea. I like that. But TOS Type 2 phaser, man. Hands down. Interesting. I do like the TOS Type 2 phaser, but it's I don't think it's my favorite. I have to say my favorite is probably the version of the next-gen phaser that was in Star Trek First Contact. Because it was that same phaser. It was a little more curved. A little angled. A little angled, a little more streamlined, but it mm-hmm. looked totally cool. It wasn't the big bulky... You know, Dustbuster like season one, and right. it wasn't kind of like a, a block of wood in seasons two, three, four. Mm-hmm. It got a little better, like five, six, seven. But I thought first contact, it really looked cool and sleek. Nice, nice. So that would, uh, I'd have to go with that. Although, do you have a do you have a most hated phaser? Oh, definitely the Type ones <laughs> in yeah. either next gen or TOS. The ones that look like a you know a, a key fob. Yes. I, yeah. I hate those things. I never <laughs> liked them. Uh, I, I will say that the TOS phaser rifle has a soft spot in my heart, too. Uh, I do love that phaser rifle simply because of the way it's, it's retro styling, the way it looks. Yes. And we saw it most recently in Star Trek Continues. It was like, oh, I was crushing on it all over again. Yeah. It was so really good to see. I would yeah. have to say that that's probably a close second, that one. Excellent. So... We didn't mention this one, but one that I always found interesting but not to put in my top list was the phaser from the 2009 reboot, how it kind of like spun around depending on whether it was stun or kill. Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird. Uh, I I, uh, I don't know if I like it. Okay. I don't like you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, I'm going to move to the next question. Please. See <laughs> this is by our good friend uh, Trey Womack. He says – if y'all had to boil it down to one episode of Star Trek out of all the series, what is y'all's favorite? If you got stranded and you could only have one episode, what would that be? Wow. That is – that's a hard question because I think my answer is going to surprise you. Um, you might guess that I would say Corvamite Maneuver or you might guess that I would say um, In the Pale Moonlight. And if you did, you'd be wrong. The one episode I would take with me if I were stranded and I could only have one for now and all time would be Deep Space Nine's Children of Time. Really? Yes. Why is that? Because it tells a remarkable story from start to finish. So the crew of the Defiant gets stranded on this planet. They meet their own descendants. And then realize they're faced with a moral dilemma. They can leave and everything gets destroyed or they can stay and that society gets to flourish and and their descendants get to grow and live. So it's leave and disrupt the temporal paradox and kill everybody or stay and, and let things stay as they are. Plus, you have Odo or older Odo confessing mm. to Kira, you know, Odo in a bucket's love for her. Right. And that is just a fabulous scene, the way that it's played by both Nana and Renee. So there's just so much to love about this episode. Uh, the relationships that it, it forges, the variations and the descendants on the characters that we meet. I, uh, I could watch that episode over and over again and never tire of it. That's very interesting. I like that. I like the, I like the reasoning behind it as well. Thank you. What about, huh. uh, what about you? What episode would you pick? 
hands down, without even having to think twice, it would be Voyager's Threshold. <laughs> Is it because you just want to see Janeway in Paris do it? <laughs> no, um, actually, mine is very um, predictable, I guess, is the thing to say. I would have to take Corbin Might Maneuver because I love that episode so much. I've probably seen that episode more than any other episode of any Star Trek series ever. I never get tired of it. I love the remastered version on a level that I can't even describe. It is done so well. I like everything about that episode, and I just will never get bored of it ever. Well, I think the best thing about that episode is that, you know, uh, and we've heard this batted about before, either on our show or maybe even Mission Log, excuse me, that this is who we say we are. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. it's if humanity has evolved, then this is who we must be in the future. And don't get me wrong, I love that episode. It is my probably one of my all time favorites. Mm-hmm. But if I had to pick one, I just I don't know. Children of Time just rubs me the right way. Although you can never go wrong with Corbomite maneuver. Come on, true. You would you would never guess what one I almost chose. Uh, yeah. Well, obviously it's not Threshold. No, it's not Threshold. But I was going to choose a Voyager episode. Were you really? Timeless. Love that episode. The hundredth episode. That's the one where the Voyager is frozen in the ice and it's uh, uh, Harry's, you know, trying to go back in time and change yeah. it. I've always liked the idea of that episode a lot to see how it changed him in such a bad way over the course of history and how determined he was to set things right. I've always loved that episode. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. We, we may have to delve in on that episode one of these days. Oh, I think so. I think that's a definite. Uh, that's a definite. See it first of all, but also I'd like we could do a whole episode on that one. It's great storytelling. Good to know. All right, well, Dan. Moving on to the next question from Ryan Albaugh. Is this? Do you have any favorite Trek references outside of the mainstream Trek world, such as Free Enterprise, Galaxy Quest, Fanboys, Star Trek themed TV shows, etc.? I would have – it took me a while to to think of what I would say for this question. And for the longest time, I would say I did not have any favorite Trek references. Then after the unfortunate passing of Mr. Rickman, I went back and watched Galaxy Quest. And that is such a remarkable piece of Star Trek reference that that is what I would now consider – my favorite one, if I had any. Uh, great movie. It's done very, I think, respectfully to the Star Trek genre by, even with its comedic points and how it's kind of, quote unquote, making fun of it. I just thought it was brilliantly done. Um, I also, however, would also say that all of the technology that we have today, which is 100% due to Star Trek, is something that I always think about in the mainstream world, such as cell phones and iPads and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah. I, um, well, this one was tough for me because most of the references I like are, are, are kind of obvious and in your face. So like anytime family guy breaks out a star Trek reference, it's gold. I mean, it did in the pilot for family guy, for example, Mm -hmm. but you know, I love things like parodies of star Trek. So like in living colors, the Wrath of Farrakhan is hilarious to me. Yeah, yeah. That's probably one of my favorites right there. 
Um, you know, or if you look back at like Saturday Night Live when John Belushi was playing Captain Kirk, that's a great one. Um, so I'd have to say I love those, but even Patrick Stewart on Saturday Night Live doing Love Boat The Next Generation, which I thought would have been fabulous. So I'd have to say those are mine. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. I like that kind of bleeds into the next question a little bit, actually, I think. Uh, I don't think so at all. No? All right. Well, well then, then shoot it up, man. Uh, it's your, my read, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's your read. Oh, okay. <laughs> this comes from Charlie Mulvey, uh, and he asks, what are some of your favorite Star Trek comedic moments? I'm of the opinion that whenever Star Trek tries to do comedy, more often than not, it doesn't come out right. Mm-hmm. The best comedy in Star Trek is that which is very sublime, you know, very just eased right in there just barely. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it, really the trouble with Tribbles is probably my favorite Star Trek comedic moment because yep. it's lighthearted and specifically most of the lines that Shatner has with regards to Commissioner Barris. <laughs> the what, the what? <laughs> I have guards around the Klingons. I have guards around the storage compartments. You storage know, compartments, storage compartments. It, yeah, that, all of that. I think that it does that exceedingly well. Mm-hmm. In other series, there are much smaller moments. And I think that probably one of my favorites, I want to say it's in Next Gen's The Nth Degree, where Barkley becomes part of the computer. I could have this wrong. It's one of the Barkley episodes, but I'm sure okay. someone will remind me. And Deanna is telling the senior staff that, well, you know, Barkley hit on her last night. And they all leave the staff room and Riker says, well, you essentially you didn't say whether or not he was successful. And she just walks off and, and Frakes gives this look that is just comedic gold. Yes. That yep. you laugh out loud. So <laughs> in Next Gen and DS9, there are some of those smaller moments Yep. That I think are just beautifully timed. Um, a lot of the Quark moments in DS9 are great comedy. I think my favorite Quark line of all time. Uh, I'm sorry, my favorite Quark interaction with Odo is is early on. It's where uh, Odo says to Quark uh, that Rom couldn't fix a straw if it were bent. <laughs> That's one of my favorite comedic moments of Deep Space Nine. But I, I have to say overall, it's most of the Captain Kirk lines in, in Trouble with Tribbles. Okay. It's funny. This this was another one. I actually I had to think about this, and I I wasn't sure how to take this question. I wasn't sure if it was favorite Star Trek comedic moments in Star Trek or favorite Star Trek comedic moments outside of Star Trek because we have both, and that's why I thought it kind of this one. Your answer from the last question kind of bled into this, and it's funny that you said it. I've always thought that any Star Trek references in Family Guy are just hysterical. I mean, even there's a very small one with Deep Space Nine out somebody's window, which is just a riot. I always thought that those were just great. So I wasn't sure. So I actually kind of jotted down things for both. For in Star Trek, I always thought that the Fistful of Data's episode had a bunch of stuff that was just funny to me. The ancient West and as ridiculous as it was, all the different datas and the stereotypes that, that he had as part of his makeup when he was either the female or the uh, Mexican gunslinger or whatnot. I just always found that funny. But the top ones were the Spock and McCoy jibes and the Odo and Cork jibes. Those were always very funny to me. 
And when McCoy would say something, how he would kind of like hop on his tiptoes when he was frustrated <laughs> with something that's boxed in, always makes me crack up. Yeah, he absolutely would sort of rock on the ball of his feet at times, <laughs> wouldn't he? Yeah. Doomsday Machine is a perfect example where he's about to relieve Decker and uh, Spock says, well, you'll have to produce your medical information. And he's like, oh, and he starts hopping on his toes. (laughs) Claps his hand together. I'll certify that right now. (laughs) Good stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Dan, uh, moving on to our next question from Nathan Bell. What is your favorite non-Trek sci-fi TV series or movie? And then My after fa- that, we're going to talk about non-sci-fi series. So so first, sci-fi series that's not Star Trek. I don't have an answer to that. Really? Yeah. I, 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 I don't group them in genre, unfortunately, for what I have for answers. So um, I, I, I guess I would have to say if I was going to choose a sci-fi TV series, that's my favorite. I don't really have one. Okay. I mean, I wish I could give a better answer than that. Um, when I'm thinking of my favorite shows, one that any that come to mind are not science fiction. So I don't, I don't think I could try to find, you know, what's my 15th favorite TV series, which happens to be science fiction. I don't have an answer to it. Well, I'll come back with my favorite sci-fi series. Then we'll talk non-sci-fi. How's that? Okay. Yeah. Um, Recently, my favorite sci-fi series was probably the uh, the Fox series Almost Human that ran for one season. Mm. Um, with Carl. With Carl Urban, yeah. Right. Uh, I thought it was really well done. It's a shame it only lasted one season. Um, going back, I'd have to say shows like Space 1999 or Buck Rogers. As, as campy as Buck Rogers is, it's fun. Yes. You know? I would, I would, yeah, I would, I, I would have to apologize. I was thinking more current when I was coming up this list, but later on in our questions, I do actually bring up Buck Rogers and Space nineteen ninety nine as well. I didn't think of those as favorites from so long ago. They just said favorite. I know. Wow. I'm just, too, I just read too much into things. You know that. Well, so how about non sci fi? Uh, hands down for me, best television show I have ever watched is Lost. You have mental problems. I know that a lot of people, you're either a hater of it or a lover of it. I absolutely love that show to death. I love the ending. I just think it's fantastic. Um, I will also say that the best written television show I have ever seen is Breaking Bad. Uh, I'll agree to that. Yeah. I I love Lost. I hate the ending. A lot of people hate the ending. The ending ruined a good chunk of the series for me. Yeah. See, for me, it didn't. Um, I just, I was really disappointed by it. I have to say for me, my favorite non-science fiction television show is probably The Shield with uh, Michael Chiklis. Yeah, you've talked about that a lot. I watched that on a dare from a coworker because I, I, season two was getting ready to premiere and a a coworker said to me, he goes, hey, you watched The Shield? I said, no, Chiklis is in it. (laughs) And he goes, what's your problem with Chiklis? I said, have you ever watched The Commish? (laughs) <laughs> and so he's like, dude, he is not the commission this show. He goes, I tell you what, watch the first episode of the pilot on DVD. If you hate it, bring the DVDs back to me. If not, bring them back when you're done. So I took his challenge that night. I went home and I watched episode one of The Shield. And I didn't stop for 12 more hours. I pulled an all-nighter to watch The Shield. 
And when I was done, I was like, uh, uh, when season two start? Uh, so <laughs> it, I still think there are people out there who love the shield and love the wire. I am mm-hmm. a shield person. I think it's the best cop drama ever in the history of television. It's funny that you say that because I watched lost on a dare. I had no interest in it. It was through season four or maybe even five. And one of my coworkers is like, if you watch, I said, no, I, I have no interest in it whatsoever. I see the commercials. It looks dumb. I have no interest in it whatsoever. He goes, watch the first episode and I will never bother you again. And so I did. And I was hooked. Now and I have and binge watched. I have to say also that I think breaking bad is the best television series ever written or produced. Mm-hmm. It is flawless. And there are no wasted moments in Breaking Bad, not a single one. They all matter in the end. Even the okay. episode with the fly, which people tell yeah. me I'm wrong about, but that says a lot about Walter's character and who exactly. he is. I agree. Um, and then also Sons of Anarchy, which mm. uh, was created by Kurt Sutter, who was the head writer on The Shield. Mm-hmm. Um, just I didn't think I would like Sons of Anarchy as much as I did, and it turns out I missed that series a lot. It was phenomenal. I- it was brilliant. I really liked it. The more the, the I got to give hats off um to the to the people who portrayed those characters. I mean, Ron Perlman just is such a great character in that show as Clay, and that's that's another one that's right up there with me, but Breaking Bad just is just phenomenal. I read an interview with Perlman once where he said Sons of Anarchy was essentially Shakespeare on motorcycles and he was 100% right. Oh yeah. Um yeah. it is very Shakespearean from beginning to end. Especially mm-hmm. the end. Oh my god! Um, so yeah, if you haven't checked out any of those series, uh, I can't recommend any of them highly enough. Even Lost, actually. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Begrudgingly. What about movies? Um, that's harder for me. Uh, I love I love the James Bond movies, except the Roger Moore ones. Um, he was never my James Bond. I, I my movie tastes are so hit or miss that. I like such a wide variety of things. My favorite yeah. film for the longest time was Billy Wilder's Some Like It Hot with Marilyn Monroe, Tony Curtis, and Jack Lemmon. Wow. Love that movie. I think it's one of the best comedies ever written. Wow. My, uh, my favorite movie of all time is Jaws. I don't think I knew that. It, I have probably seen that movie without joking four or five hundred times. Wow. I love that movie. I never get bored of it. I know every sound to that movie. Um, when I was growing up, I worked in a video store and, and some days I would work from 10 in the morning till 11 at night, just a full day shift. And we would watch Jaws or we would have it on over and over and over and over again. Every minute of the day, we would have that movie playing. It's just, it's something I've just always loved. Wow. That's pretty cool to know. I learned something today. I don't know if that's sci-fi or more horror, but I really like that one. Um, another one that's right up there for me is one probably one of the best written movies is Patton with George C. Scott. I used to watch war movies with my dad growing up, and mm-hmm. Patton was always one. Um, the Naked and the Dead, that was a great yeah. movie with Cliff Robertson. Mm-hmm. Um, the John Wayne movies, uh, especially Back to Bataan. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad was a Marine, so that was one of his favorites. Uh, so yeah, lots of – but Patton absolutely stands out. Great. What about sci-fi? I know you said that you don't. It's a little harder, but do you have a favorite-ish sci-fi? I think I would have to say maybe the second Alien movie, Aliens. I've always loved that one. Um, it's hard for me because I'm not a big fan of Cameron, and that's because uh, he usually screws stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't like a lot of his work. 
uh, because I, I find that he he dumbs it down a lot. I gotcha. love the original Alien. Um, yes. Beyond Words. It came out when I was like ten, and mm-hmm. I saw it when I was ten. So yeah. it's not as petrifying now. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. A slight segue, but it, it's in regards to Alien. I just picked up the new Alien game for the Xbox One for my daughter for graduation. Yeah. That's as scary as the movie, man. Wow. It is. It is. It is frightening. You're not shooting people. You have to hide from the alien, and it's difficult. Uh, and if anybody got Xbox One, PlayStation 4, there's a little plug because it's a pretty good game. Anyway. Right. Well, Dan, <laughs> why don't you move on to the next question there, Chief? Yes. Leah Hale wants to know, how did we become friends, and did we hilariously berate each other from the very beginning? I'm going to take the second half of that question first, and that answer is essentially Yes. Absolutely. The first half of the question is, and I don't care saying the name because neither of us worked there. Right. Uh, we both were tech support phone reps at Fidelity Investments starting in the mid-90s. Dan had been hired months before I was. And one of my first um, days on the job, I had to sit with him and observe. Um, I had to listen to him take phone calls with customers uh, supporting the product and, and addressing their problems. And I was glad that they paired us up together because he had Star Trek stuff in his cube and I could relate to that. Mm-hmm. So, and at the time you were probably one of the top performing reps in the department, which is why they had you um, have people observe how you did things. Well, thank you. I uh, appreciate I, that, buddy. I wasn't complimenting you. I was making a factual statement of the events on record. Okay. Golden headset. <laughs> That's right, the Golden Headset Award. That's right. Um, that I mean, that's sort of the thumbnail sketch of how it happened. Do you have anything you want to add to that? No, it's pretty much spot on. As a matter of fact, in the notes for this episode with that question, I literally typed, Bill, I'm going to let you take this one. You tell the story a lot better than I do. That's because uh, you don't remember, do you? I don't. I just remember <laughs> some guy sitting next to me. I'm like, oh, my God, he smells like feet. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, we uh, we hit it off right away. Uh, and I think that Trek is that icebreaker that happened before we even sat we sat next to each other. Yeah. Because uh, I had the stuff on my desk and we instantly uh, hit it off and uh, have been friends ever since. Of course, we do have the infamous Enterprise dropping scenario, which happened at Fidelity. We're not going to get into that. I don't want to open all oh, wounds. Oh, <laughs> oh, we're not going to get into that, although I had to bring it up. <laughs> But no, it's uh, it's been it's been great since that first day. Um, and yeah, the berating is is part of the fun and what makes our friendship so special. Uh, we have a great time doing it. If you folks could see half the stuff that we say to each other on a daily ba- daily basis in Messenger, you probably would think that we were mortal enemies who wanted to kill each other. <laughs> they would all unfriend us in a heartbeat, except for Dan Garcia. <laughs> Who actually has the next question? Yes, he does. Did you like that segue? That was pr- you're the segue master. Thank you, man. thank you. Don't try this at home. <laughs> uh, but Dan's question, our good friend Dan Garcia, what was your guy's first Star Trek toy or collectible, and do you still have it? I love this question. I love this question too, but it was very difficult for me to remember what my first one was. Yeah, I it's know. been a lot. Um, and I think, I don't think it was a toy was the first thing that I collected. I recall starting the first, when I really got involved in Star Trek, which I have to thank my brother for, and he did collect stuff. He had posters and he had the old Star Trek blueprints that came out in like that leather 
like case. Um, when I first started, I believe what I started with was the Hamilton plate collection, um, yeah. which I still have. They are all stored uh, downstairs here in my house. Um, and then once I got bit by the bug, I started, I, I took a big jump and went to the Franklin mint pewter sculptures and then the chess set that they came out with. Yeah. I still have all of those. Um, the, uh, Franklin mint, uh, one of my Franklin mint sculptures is kind of in pieces. Um, but it's, I still have it. I just haven't put it back together and that would be the Romulan warbird, but I have all of them. I love them. My favorite one of the few of the, uh, Franklin mint sculptures is the USS defiant. Oh, I didn't realize you had that one. Oh, it's gorgeous. I'll take a picture and send it to you. I'm not letting you handle it, but I'll send you a picture of it. Oh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, as a kid, I and I, I only remember this because somebody posted um, the 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 photo of it online. I think it might have been Crazy Joe. Um, the Star Trek Freezicles, where you could put fruit juice in these molds of the characters oh of the God. original series, and then make your own popsicles. I remember having that as a kid, <laughs> and I remember my mom filling them with high C, and then popping them in the freezer. And I'd always want the Mister Spock one first. And whenever I got Scotty, I was kind of bumped. So, but I remember that. I wish I had that today. I don't. Yeah. But I I saw that and it brought back a wave of memories from being a kid in the 1970s. Um, my first collectible was one that I had until recently. And unfortunately, it was destroyed in a flood of my storage unit. But it was a copy of the the Franz Joseph technical manual that was given to me by my big brother who got me into Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was one of those vinyl bound ones with the gold letters on the cover. It said Starfleet Technical Manual. And it was like a second edition. So, I mean, it was old. And I was heartbroken when I discovered that it was absolutely destroyed and unsalvageable. Ugh. The, the pages had gotten moldy and musty. And I was, uh, I was bummed. I did find a replacement one on eBay. It's. I don't care about the fact that it's a second, not a second edition. This one that I got, but it is in the you know the uh, the folder that's that's vinyl and it does have mm-hmm. the gold letters. And I cared more about replacing the item because of the sentimental and emotional attachment I have to it right. than I did about making sure I had the right edition. So um, it's a book that whenever I see on the shelf makes me think of my big brother who uh, passed away about twenty years ago. So. Um, but I, I do, I, I have a copy of it. I don't have the original one that I was given as a child, but I do have that one. Nice. Cool. Thanks. Of course, now, you know, over the years, we've collected so much more stuff and so many, lots of toys and stuff like that. But yeah, those first ones are ones that you always kind of have that sentimental value to, especially when it makes you think of your brother. That's kind of cool, man. I like that. Thanks. I don't think I'd heard that story before. Uh, you probably haven't because it was yeah. something that happened within the last year. Um, realizing that I didn't have that book anymore and why. So, uh, but it's a story I'm happy to tell. All right. So our next question comes from our great friend, Heather Barker, even though she is a Denver Broncos Super Bowl champion fan. Um, have, uh, how has your fandom evolved since going to STLV? Wow. I think that, well, first off, great question. And considering Heather is also the co-host of the Shore Leave podcast over the Tricorder Transmissions, I think this is a question that is perfect coming from her. Mm. I would say that it has made me wear my fandom on my sleeve more. And I say that 
because I, there was a period of time in my life, and I, Dan, I don't know if you went through this yourself, but you, you kind of figure, you, know, you go through your 20s, you go through your 30s, and you figure, well, at some point I have to grow up. And so you start acting like an adult, and you hold down a career, and you know, and, and you kind of get serious about things for a while. Maybe you had this experience, maybe you didn't, but I know I did. Especially like, say, from about 25 to 35 or so. I felt that you know, growing up and participating in adult society meant that I probably shouldn't wear this this geekdom on my on my sleeve and and wave it in everybody's face, you know. And I was wrong. I think if we've learned anything over the last couple of years is that geek culture um, is something that should be celebrated. And I think that's probably how my fandom has evolved the most, um, from starting a podcast to I'm um, wearing a Flash T-shirt right now. You know, I'm I'm consuming content that I never consumed before, whether it's, you know, comic books or, or other books or, or you name it, or shows or movies. And I'm proud to do it all. I mean, I have Star Trek tattoos now. So yeah. I, I think I've become more comfortable in my own skin. And I think as a result, my fandom has moved with me to the point where, you know, my fandom is who I am. And if people can't deal with that, then that's too bad. Uh, I don't, I don't think I could put it any better. You took the words right out of my mouth. Um, I wear a Trek shirt every day now, just about, I've got a hat every day. I do not go out of the house without it. I've got this 50th anniversary pin on my collar that people have been like, are you going to wear that every day? I said, yeah, I'm wearing it every day, every day for the 50th anniversary. I am proud to be a fan and STLV, my first STLV, which was last year, is what really made me appreciate how much of a fan I am, seeing how everybody else is such a fan. Uh, I, I couldn't have fathomed that, these, that this would have happened. And I do have to say, before anything else, that my experience at STLV is once again thanks to you, man, because of your idea of starting this podcast. And I know I say that a lot, and, and it sounds like I'm you know just you know kissing your ass or anything, but I cannot be more sincere when I say that because – if it wasn't for the podcast and what we've done together, I would never have gone to Star Trek Las Vegas probably ever. It's something that I hadn't really ever put any thought into. Oh, I know there's a convention out there, but I never would have thought of going out there on my own. And it, that's the thing. Going out there, if I was alone, it would have been 100% different than when it was when you and I went last year for my first time. Um, what made it so very special for me was those new friendships that we made. Heather's talked about this actually several times, and she's talked about it in her podcast. The friendships that you make at STLV are forever friendships, and it makes me look forward to the next STLV and then one after that and the one after that. Um, it's made me realize that we're not just fans. We are a family, and it's I'm very proud to be part of that family. You know, I, I couldn't agree more, and I heard Heather refer to it once, I think, I think it was the year before last. I think it was the year before you started going. That STLV was sort of like her Trek family reunion. And I, I've looked at it that way ever since. Because, you know, I've I've seen the actors talk about Star Trek hundreds of times at this point. Whether it's at cons or in interviews or you name it. Or websites or blogs or podcasts. And I can see that a lot. You know, I, I can consume that content however I want to. But I don't get to see the same collection of fans... Right. But one time. 
mm-hmm. you know, or once a year, I should say. And I think that's what makes it all the more special for me. Yeah. Uh, I will say that for me, and this is only my second one that I'm going to in less than two months, is I think in many ways, I'm more excited about getting together with these people like Heather and Mumphrey and all the other people that we've talked to, uh, you know, Droz and all those people, than seeing some of the stars that are going to be at the convention. Yeah. I think I'm looking forward to that part of it more than the convention part of it, quote unquote. Well, that's because we're going to do a burger quest with Drosen. <laughs> now, let's be honest. That's right. Maybe we'll move up to the top 10 favorite podcasts on a Friday or something. It, it, or don't get your hopes up. Okay. I, uh, I, and there's only one other thing I want to I point out is, you know, you have said to me, not just on the podcast, but privately, how much you credit me with a lot of this. And I have to give you some credit, too, because you didn't want to do this podcast initially. <laughs> I had no idea what it was like to do a podcast. I didn't know how two guys could just sit there and talk about stuff like that and have anybody want to listen to it. I had never listened to a single podcast before we started this thing together. And I'm really sorry that I hadn't um, because it's it sure is a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so for the record, I was right. I just want to put it out there. For that one thing, yes. <laughs> well, uh, is it my turn to read? Is it your turn? To read? It is. It is your turn. Okay. Sir. Well, uh, we're back to uh, to Mr. Dan Garcia. He was apparently feeling very verbose the other day, <laughs> and he wanted to know our thoughts on other science fiction brands mm-hmm. because we are sci-fi people. Originally, okay. he said aficionados, and I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Back the train up. I'm not an aficionado on science fiction. No, <laughs> sir. Um, but, you know, whether it's Babylon 5 or Battlestar Galactica or Firefly, what are your thoughts on some of the other franchises? Well, I loved the original Battlestar Galactica. I remember growing up watching that, loving it. Loved the Cylons, loved the Viper ships that, the, that, uh, that they flew in. <clears throat> I, never, <laughs> I never have seen the reboot. Really? I have probably only – I have the first season on DVD, and I have never finished watching it. But it's something I've always wanted to. I've just never gotten to do it. And everybody says that the reboot is really, really good. It stands head and shoulders above the original Battlestar, yeah. and it's written by Ron Moore. Exactly. I, I have to watch it. I know I have to watch it, and I will watch it. Um, so you can count on that. You've heard it here first. I will do that. So, hey, if I um, could rewatch Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, you can watch four seasons of the new Battlestar Galactica. Uh, okay, challenge accepted. <laughs> what but a- one challenge that will not be accepted? I only got through the first half of the first episode of Firefly. I hate Firefly <laughs> with passion. You know, <laughs> all the brown coats can string me up right now. Drosen can turn off this podcast. Garcia <laughs> can storm off and swear. <laughs> I think that here's my problem. I don't like Joss Whedon's writing. I feel like okay. he got lucky with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series, uh-huh. and the first season of Dollhouse. Well, actually, no, there's some good seasons of Angel because my wife was a big fan of Buffy and Angel, and I've seen some of those. But pretty much after the first half of the first season of Dollhouse, it sucks. Okay. Um, I have watched Firefly. And if I want to watch a Western, I'm going to tee up a Western and I'm going to watch it. I, 
I, I think that the characters are two dimensional on Firefly. I think the writing is is weak. I, I don't find it particularly great. And other than that, I have no strong feelings on the matter, Dan. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, people, it's one of those love-hate relationships. It's like the end of Lost. People yeah. either love Firefly or they hate it. I just couldn't get into it. I don't know if I ever will try again. Um, I have not, I have never gotten into Babylon 5, never really seen anything about it. I've never been a fan of the Stargates. I watched the Stargate movie and just didn't like it. And as a result, I never really watched any of the, what, 74 different versions of Stargate that came out <laughs> over the years. Um, I don't know if it's 74, but your point is well taken. <laughs> yes. Um, I grew up loving, like we talked about this earlier, I grew up loving Buck Rogers. I grew up loving Space 1999. I liked those. Um, but today, it's not so much science fiction that I enjoy. It's the superhero shows. Flash, Arrow. Uh, Grimm is another great show. Um, of course, I watch Game of Thrones, stuff like that. For modern day science fiction, I think the only one that I really have any interest in and have watched and have liked, but haven't watched all the way through is Falling Skies. I started that once and I got sidetracked and I never got back to it. It's but, same thing for me. Yep. Yeah. I, um, I tried Babylon 5 when it first premiered. I couldn't get past the dreadful visual effects. It took me right out of the story. So, I never went back to it after like the first season because it was just like, oh, really? And at that point, Deep Space Nine was on or had been on already. And I figured if I was going to watch one space station show, it may as well be DS9. Sure. Yep. Cool. I think – wasn't the guy who played Tomahawk in uh, in Babylon 5? Andreas Katsoulis. Yes, he was. Yes. Yep. Oh, okay. See, I do know something about it then. Anyway. Oh. Okay. And the guy with big purple hair I think is something else I remember. But I don't know. Got nothing. Okay, next question <laughs> comes from Chris Condon. And he says, or he asks, has anything you've learned from Star Trek changed or informed your views in politics, life, or whatever? Some of the best Trek has something to say, even if it's bonk, bonk on the head sometimes. It does. And Chris, thank you for the question. Uh, thank everybody for the questions, actually. But uh, in particular, this one. I... um. It has. We grew up at a time where you and I, as children of the 70s, weren't much past the 60s. And even in the Northeast, there were still some prevailing mindsets with regard to bigotry and, and racism to some extent. And I think that Star Trek went a long way for me in teaching me the value that everybody adds to society, regardless of how they look or how they speak. Or or whatever, um, I yeah. You know, let your let that be your last battlefield is really bonk bonk on the head, but it really does a great job of uh, of, of driving the point home, especially when you're a child in the seventies. That and, and kind of the Savage Curtain too, when Abraham Lincoln comes aboard the Enterprise and notices Uhura, that kind of thing. But you know, as an adult, I think that. Trek has sort of softened me from some of the more, I don't know, um, non-Roddenberry philosophies that I've gained over the years. I typify myself more as a libertarian these days, but I tend to lead first with, you know, my concern for compassion than necessarily the rule of law, if that makes sense. It makes, it makes perfect sense, but not 
I don't know the I don't know the best way to describe it. It makes perfect sense, but um, I can't I can't put into words what I'm trying to trying to say. So well, I'll just say yes. Okay. Well, how about you? Has it has it <laughs> have you learned anything from Trek with regard to informing your views? I don't know if learning has been something. It makes me wish things more than anything else. Um, it makes me wish that that we could be like the Federation. Uh, I'm just, you know, especially now that I'm adult and I see this, I see what goes on in the world. I'm so tired of politics in the world and especially in the United States. I'm so tired of listening, listening to the bickering and the back and forth and the lying and you're never going to get anything done and the empty promises and all that garbage. And I'm not talking one side versus the other. I'm talking everything total. Um, I'm so disgusted by the fact that we still want to annihilate each other over race and religion. Now, granted there are wars in star Trek and there are races that fight each other and have been fighting each other for hundreds of years based on that. But it wasn't, it's not in a way that when we watch in star Trek, that it's in your face, like it is with real life today. I, I don't know if that makes sense the way I'm trying to describe it. It does to me. Um, but it just, it Gene's vision was one of hope and that's what star Trek is so good at is the hope you don't see the things that we have to deal with now. And that was 50 years ago. Gene had this vision and it's been 50 years worse of what we've been seeing in real life. Uh, one of the other things that's that I've always loved about star Trek and in particular the Federation, because other races aren't like this is, you know, it's not whoever has the most money wins. I love that philosophy. We're too greedy. Money rules everything. In this world today, money runs governments. Money is, allows people to get governments to do what they want. The more money you have, the more influence you're going to have, and the more you're going to be able to do. Federation doesn't have that. No, you know the the Ferengi have that, and their society is based on that, and maybe that works for them. But I like being able to see a future where it means nothing, and and you don't have to have trillions of dollars, or and, and or you know, you can have nothing and still be just as important as somebody who has everything today. I just love that vision. I don't know if that answers his question completely in terms of, of is, has it, you know, changed my views in politics or life in general, but that's what I thought of when I read Chris's question. I will say that Star Trek has made me more comfortable with acknowledging the fact that I don't believe in any kind of organized religion. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Roddenberry's secular humanism. I, I'm not going to say I'm a secular humanist by any stretch, but it's made me more comfortable with being who I am in my own skin and realizing that organized religion isn't for me. I have learned that fairly squarely. I'll say that. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, that's cool. I mean, that's that. I think that was the most thought provoking question. We have one more question. I think that was the one that was the most thought provoking. Um, the last question. Uh, I think it's your read, isn't it, man? Uh, yeah, we'll get to this one real quick because we have a question we're going to ask each other and yes, we're coming yep. up on time. But uh, Mike Medina asks, what are some of the tendencies of Trek production that you really disliked? I, I, I wrote off four real quick and I'll read them real quick and we don't have to go into detail. I don't like what the Voyager writers did to the Borg. It made them complete wusses. I never liked that. The idea of killing off data for no reason nemesis is one that still bothers me to this day. I thought it was a wasted death. Um, I thought that killing Kalar off was a mistake. I thought there was huge potential for stories for her 
um, later on in Next Generation, and it was a shame that she was killed off so quickly. I understand why they did it for that storyline, but I thought they could have done a lot more with her character later. Um, and I really did not like what they did with the romance factor on the later seasons of Deep Space Nine. Jadzia and Worf, Esri and Julian, and specifically and especially Kira and Odo. Interesting. Yeah. My answers are more technical for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, I have always hated the soft focus on female characters in the original series. It drives yes. me crazy. I understand it was to make them look prettier, but uh, they're pretty already. Let's face it. Yeah, <laughs> they're yep, on absolutely. television. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just I never liked that technical aspect and the fact that they would you know single those performers out like that. And then notably, I hate the Voyager quick fix, as I refer to it. How they would do forty one minutes of you know story and then thirty seconds of wrap up and the episode's over. Right. Hey, we fixed the problem. Back on course to Earth. <laughs> Ate that. Yeah. Ugh. So I think those would probably be my answers. I, I That's part of the reason why I have such a hard time getting into Voyager, honestly, mm-hmm. is because they did that. That is what I give as the number one reason for my – not dislike of, you, of Voyager, but for it being one of the – my non-favorite Trek series is because of that quick bang. Yeah, and over like that. So Yeah. yeah. Well, Dan um, – we each have come up with a question for the other. Yes. Um, that neither of us knows the question for. Mm-hmm. So let me ask y- you a question. Okay. A question I don't know the answer to and that you have not heard before today. Okay. Where did you and your wife go on your first date? Well, that's a funny story. We met in Rhode Island at a friend's house and uh, we finally decided to go on a date. I drove up here. To Maine, I was in Nashua at the time, drove up here. We went out to dinner at a restaurant up in Freeport. Uh, and then we went and saw Men in Black 2. <laughs> Wait, you took her to see Men in Black 2 and she continued to date you? <laughs> yeah. Is that what I'm getting yeah. from you? That's what you're getting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was not a good movie. But, of course, Men in Black was so good that, uh, in my opinion, I love Men in Black. Um that it was exciting. We went to a theater in Falmouth, which has since closed, which is now reopening again, which is kind of odd. But yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, I got oh the whole story about how we met. That could that could be a whole episode in itself. It's quite the nice love story. <laughs> All I can hear are violins. Yes. Now you have to answer that question too. We have to answer each question that we ask each other. Uh, I don't think we have time for that. Okay. All right. Well, then I'll jump to my question. Yes. And that is that we both have been involved in IT for the better part of 30 years. Yeah. Give or take. Give or take. If we weren't involved in IT, what would you consider to be your dream job? Oh, wow. Um, I That's a really a great question. I, I have <laughs> – uh, I have no schools uh, – schools. I have no skills with tools. So even though I watch a lot of HGTV in my downtime, there's no way I could like help renovate houses because <laughs> I would saw off my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I, I would want to probably cook for a living, but I would hate working nights all the time. Ah, yes. uh, because I I take great joy in in making things. You've seen some of the things I've grilled. Yes, on uh, on Facebook. 
um, you know, elaborate things to some extent. It's not just burgers and dogs. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I do all kinds of things with my, my Weber grill and it's a creative process for me and it's one that I enjoy from start to finish. So I would probably try to do something like that, maybe a food truck. Nice. Um, something that allowed me to still enjoy what I do right? and pretty much set my own schedule. This is Bill Smith, and we're rolling out. Yeah, I could just see that. <laughs> and actually, I, I will answer uh, your first question. My wife's on my first date. So I was sicker than a dog. Um, and I had been at my sister's house in Georgia for Thanksgiving, and I was flying back. And that night, I was to meet um, the woman who would become my wife for our first date at a Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. And hours before that, I had upset stomach. I was, you know, nauseous. You know, I was, I was perhaps uh, making more trips to pay homage to the porcelain goddess than perhaps I wanted to. But yet, I still went on that first date, and I had Mexican food, and I paid for it the entire week after, just so I could go on that first date. And it was my last first date, and I'm glad I went. We went to a Mexican restaurant called. Um, Oh god, the name just slipped out of my brain. Uh it's in Manchester, New Hampshire. It's uh well, it's not important as what it is, right. but it's my wife's in my restaurant. Nice. That's so, a good story. So Excellent. and uh, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? Easy, easy. I would want to be a play-by-play announcer on television for the Boston Red Sox. They're my team. I know a lot about baseball. I tend to have a photographic memory with stats. And I have always loved that relationship that the play-by-play and the color, color guy have on our local Nesson. So I would want to do it for a team that I really love and root for. And so that would be what I choose. So wait, you have a photographic memory with stats, but you can't remember what I typed to you in a chat window the day before? <laughs> well, actually, I, 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 can, I can see where you would say that. Let me rephrase. I have a photographic memory with things I care about. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> That's just brutal. <laughs> well, it's funny because my wife always says that or we're talking about th- something and I'll pull out a play of a game from five years ago that took place on the same day about a story that she's telling. I just, for some reason, I can do that. Uh, but yeah, that, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to scratch that. You know what my dream job would be? To be working with you on the Trek Geeks podcast forever, man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Let's wrap it. And... <laughs> Thank you all for listening to Dan and me answer questions from our listeners at Camp Kittimer. Remember, you can go to facebook.com slash group slash Camp Kittimer, and we'll let you right in. Um, Dan, we would be incredibly, incredibly bad people if we did not thank the guys in Five Year Mission who provide every last ounce of music for this podcast. Your house band for STLV50. I see you chomping at the bit, so let's get your Farkism out of the way. No, I wasn't going to say so much that. I'm so excited. They're the house band. So excited, in fact, that the other day I just decided to watch one of my favorite episodes. It was it was so great. It was this weird-looking guy running around the halls of the Enterprise, really funny, and he's like, kind of like bouncing his wrists, um, and the camera was right in front. Oh, what was that episode? Let That Be Your Last Battle Fark, I think was the name. I can't remember, but I think that's what it was. Oh, God. <laughs> They get worse every week, don't they? The worst part is, is, yeah, no, I wasn't thinking about that at all. You know what I was thinking? You you, you sold that so poorly. <laughs> Why don't you tell people what's coming up next week? What is coming up next week? Oh, we've got another see it or skip it, folks. 
we had a blast with season one of Voyager. So we are going to do see it or skip it for the entire Star Trek, the animated series run. And it is going to be a blast. We can't wait. Uh, we're going to be joined by our good friend Jeff from the Tricorder Transmissions. For more great Star Trek discussion, please check them out online at the tricordertransmissions.com. You can hear Shore Leave, and you can hear... They've got a supplemental edition that came out this weekend about the, the new uh, Star Trek trailer for Star Trek Beyond and the fan event. But uh, head on over there and check out some of their podcasts. We really think you'll enjoy them. And, of course, for all the latest news on everything Star Trek, please remember to visit our friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been Episode 62 of Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. We bid you all live long and prosper. Bill, I just got one thing to say down here in the field. What's that, Dan? Coconut! <laughs> I'm deaf. And I'm... What's up there, Slappy? Bing bong. Bing bong. You usually say that. That's how we start the show. It's all ruined. Now we're going to start over. No. Okay. Hi. 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 How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm good. It's raining. Yeah. Like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot. Yeah. How was your day? Check. Right. Right. Uh, my day was fine. How was how was graduation? It was very good. It was moved indoors because of the the possibility of bad weather, and it did start raining while we were in there. It was very nice. It was good. Good. Becca was all, all excited. Great. We we had front rows, then parents, and Sue and I were lucky and had front set front and center. It was great. Your uh, your video froze so, there, buddy. You so look like you you're mid orgasm or something. All right. Well, let me uh, shut off my video then. Better. Uh, you're you're still frozen. I'm going to send you the screenshot of what it looks like. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. That's weird. All right. I just stopped the video, so hopefully that's better. Very strange. Yeah, you're definitely doing some uh, some audio artifacting tonight. Huh, that's weird. We don't have anything else going on. You want anything online right now? No. Videoing or anything like that? Hmm, she's just Facebooking. Your face is Facebooking. Could be weather-related. Sometimes that happens up here because it's Maine, you know. Stone knives and bearskins? Yeah, exactly. And it's only, it's how much? 52 degrees? 22. 22 degrees, yeah. Oh, my God. My parents were up here yesterday, and it was 80-something in Nashua. And when they got up here, it was like 66, and he was saying that it was going to start snowing pretty soon and everything. What a goober. 
<laughs> hey, Dad, you're a goober. goober. Wow. <laughs> wow, you think you'd have more respect for the man that I have a tremendous helped give you life. Tremendous amount. But he's over because it was 66, not 26. I'm sending you the photo on Facebook chat right now. Okay. <laughs> I just put the ring on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> what you drinking tonight? Uh, Melonhead. Excellent. I'm going to turn video on again, see if yeah, that helps. If it's that. any better. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, it was a, it was a good day. What I sounds? Go, I don't. I don't want to go to work tomorrow. Oh no, kidding, man. Me oh, either. Oh, I am in no mood for this. No mood for this. Can we just like start ringing in the cash here, and so we don't have to go to work anymore? Ring in the cash where on the podcast? Yeah. You realize that 99.99% of podcasts don't make money, right? We're that 0.01, baby. Cha-ching. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Not with this voice and definitely not with that executive producer. Um, You know who is part of the 0.01? Who? Shows like Hardcore History that have 6 million downloads per episode. Ooh, well, we got a ways to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, well, let's get on it. Let's get some new ideas going. Come on, Mr. So, man. 